Hello and welcome to the City Business Festival. My name is Kojo Akoto Boateng. Today I'm talking to Dr. Mavis Oreku Asari. She's a senior research scientist at the Ghana Atomic Energy Commission. She's the head of the Center for Radiation Technology. And she's basically a full scientist, if I have to simplify her description. And today she joins me to talk to me about innovation and some of the work that she's done and how we can use innovation to make our lives as a people better. Doc, welcome to the City Business Festival. Thank you very much, Kojo. Before we begin, I'd like you to tell me a bit about your academic journey. Where did you start and what do you do? Um, I read food science and nutrition uh, at University of Ghana. So after leaving Wesley Yale's High School and going to um, university to do my bachelor's, I opted to do nutrition and food science because um, I'd always wanted to do something with food. I didn't really know exactly what it was. But when I realized that food can be a science, I, wa I was so much interested in doing that. Also because I wanted to run away from medical school. So I found that to be an interesting um, uh, profession that I wanted to pursue. After that, I went back um, to do uh, a master's in food science. Uh, at, at the University of Ghana. And then I got a job with um, Ghana Atomic Energy Commission where I worked um, as a research scientist for about seven, eight years. Um, and then um, I went on to, to uh, do pursue uh, a PhD. I did a sandwich program with Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology and Purdue University in the USA. And I did food science and technology. When we say somebody is a food scientist, um, what do they do? What does it entail? Uh, food science is basically looking at how you can uh, modify food or, or, or as well as uh, um, use the properties of the food, enhance the properties of the food so that it can last longer on the shelf. There's so many dimensions to food science. Like I said before, there is a science around food that people do not really appreciate. Apart from the culinary bit where, you know, people think they can, I mean, not the thing, but then people create um, food and um, add color, texture, taste, and all of that to make it tasty. There's a science behind that. So, you're basically looking at the properties of the food, looking at the chemical aspect, the microbiological aspect, the physical aspect, you know, all the uh, um, properties that make food food and trying to work on that, modify it, um, add, um, uh, you know, using technology as well. And then seeing how best you can present the food in a way that is wholesome. But then also you're looking at um, technologies to preserve the food, to enhance the taste, the color, and all of that. So there's the physical aspect, which is like a, a looking at the rheology, the texture, and all of that. There's the um, food chemistry aspect as well. There's a microbiological aspect of, of food. And there's the sensory, um, where you're looking at, um, you know, properties of the food that enhance taste, color, and what people look out for if they want to buy a food. What really are the central properties that enhance 
um, you know, the, the, the taste or the color or the visual appeal and all of that. So in okay. a nutshell, that, that's what science is about. Okay, so you're a food scientist and you've explained what food science is, but what's a food scientist doing at the Ghana Atomic Commission? <laughs> what are you doing there? I know, Kojo, I get that question a lot. And um, before I even answer that, we do not make atomic bombs at Ghana Atomic Energy Commission. You know, you get people asking, uh, when I say I work at Ghana Atomic Energy Commission, they're like, okay, you know, you, you seem to be a dangerous person or, you know, like you're working with atomic bombs. That's not the case at all, at all, at all. So basically, Ghana Atomic Energy looks at the um, safe and peaceful use of nuclear techniques for different um, applications. Okay. I work um, at the Biotechnology and Nuclear Agriculture Research Institute. So that's one of the uh, institutes uh, uh, under Ghana Atomic Energy Commission. And when you hear biotechnology and nuclear agriculture, you get a sense of what we really do there. We look at the peaceful use of nuclear techniques for um, solving issues on uh, um, uh, post-harvest losses, looking at um, crop mutation, animal sciences. So all these are applications of um, different fields in agriculture, just using nuclear techniques. So for me, I'm with um, Radiation Technology Inst uh, Center, which I manage. And at this center, we basically use safe nuclear techniques. We have a nuclear source that we use to uh, enhance um, crop productivity. When I say crop productivity, we're talking about um, modifying the food, preserving it, you know, reducing the losses, um, looking at how we can use the, 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 the technique to reduce insect infestations of different agricultural produce, cereals, legumes, um, vegetables, fruits. We also look at the use of this particular technology that we have to reduce spoilage mm -hmm. of different agricultural produce. So we have a nuclear source um, here at this center, which is a gamma irradiation facility. And here we process food products um, to reduce um, different uh, microorganisms that will cause, spo uh, cause spoilage, as well as modify the food so that it doesn't ripen fast. Like if you look at the plantain works that we've done on plantain, for instance, work that we've done on yams, where we are able to extend the shelf life of yams so that um, by reducing um, sprouting, you know, when, when yam uh, stays for a while, it starts uh, sprouting and that reduces the shelf life. So we're able to modify this and help it stay longer on the shelf. So okay. pure use of nuclear techniques for applications in the agricultural field. That's what Binari does. Mm, thank you very much for the education on that because sometimes when I hear atomic energy, um, um, a lot of us, when we hear atomic energy, what we, we our minds think about is nuclear bombs and space stuff and all those things so thank you for this clarification my guest on the city business festival is dr mavis oriku asari um we are talking about her work we are talking about science innovation in ghana and how we can use science to drive development in the country now the first time i heard about you doc was when we interviewed you about how to use solar dehydration to preserve tomatoes that was the first time I encountered your work. Now, um, today I'd like you to share a bit more about the work you've done so far and how they can be applied in our everyday lives in industry to 
to help us create more value. And I'd like you to start with the solar um, dehydration to preserve tomatoes. Why did you choose to go into that particular research? Yeah, thank you, Kojo. Um, sometime back, was it 2010? Yes. Um, so I had been working on different products. I specialize in fruits and vegetables. So my research was tailored um, addressing um, issues with uh, food, uh, fruits and vegetables, so preserving fruits and vegetables in different ways. And um, when I was doing my master's at the University of Ghana, I worked on um, evaluating the marketing systems of fruits and vegetables and looking at factors that uh, affected the quality, so right from the farm when it's been transported all the way to the market and till the, food land, the fruits and vegetables land on your table. What are the factors that impact quality? And um, I did work on five markets. Um, I worked at a five markets. Let me not go into that. And I worked on seven selected fruits and vegetables. Tomato was one of them. I, I saw so many things that bothered me at these markets. I saw that tomato had such a, I mean, we all know tomato is very perishable. But the losses that um, we see at these markets are huge. Um, and I was taken aback a bit. I, um, I documented this in my thesis, of course, but then um, I wanted to know more about how uh, we, wanted to, we needed to preserve tomato. So I thought about looking at very convenient ways to, um, you know, we add value to tomato. Like I said, it's highly perishable. And if you harvest and you do not get ready market, you easily lose the crops. We look, we're seeing between 20 to 50% uh, losses in the tomato value chain, which is huge. So in 2012, I had the opportunity to do a fellowship at Louisiana State University. And I, I, I went there to the food science department to look at different methods for adding value to tomatoes. So I worked on dehydration methods, you know, using the vacuum dryer, convection dryer. I did um, all sorts of canning of tomato. I, I worked on... Um, uh, even making tomato uh, powder using the, the spray dryer. So these were op so many um, uh, complex methods that I, I used, you know, within the time I was there, just to see ways of making added, uh, you know, adding value to tomato and seeing how we could use these methods here in Ghana. Um, when I came back, I realized that most of the equipments that I used or the methods that I used were very expensive. They were very quite uh, uh, complex that, you know, farmers and even processors would find difficult to use or even have access to. So I decided, you know what, we have solar energy in abundance. I began to look into solar drying. I mean, we, we do traditional sun drying in the north, sun drying of tomato, even in Bolgatanga, uh, tomato is dried, you know, openly and sold. Um, and I, even in, in some countries like the U.S., sun-dried, California sun-dried tomato, for instance, it's an expensive product. It's that, you know, it's reserved for, for the rich. So if we have abundance, you know, we have sunlight in abundance and we cannot, you know, uh, use this technology um, to, to preserve tomato, then I thought it was a bit, I mean, I thought I could look into that. So, but then, like I said, tomato is highly perishable and has a very high moisture content, about 95%. So it's very important that if you want to use uh, the sun to dry this, you have like a system. So a solar dryer that is a bit optimized to be able to 
to do the drying in a very convenient way and uh, you know also in a way that would enhance the, uh, the quality, which is also very important. So that was the journey. And I developed this into a PhD project, which um, uh, I was able to execute in the sense that I developed uh, a very low cost dryer that can be used to add value, I mean, to dry tomato. And I also used this to make, a, I mean, when I get the dry products, I make them into powder and I'm looking into ways to now make, make value-added products like tomato paste, tomato puree, and other things from the powder that I get. So you mean so the, the, tomato that that, the tomatoes that we, we have and see every day, mm -hmm. um, you, you, your technology enables us to dry the tomatoes using solar, which can then yeah. help us preserve the tomatoes for a long time. Yes, yeah, so Kojo, um, some varieties of tomatoes were, I mean, if you look at the, the uh, setup of the factories, they, they had specific varieties of tomatoes that were, um, how do I put it, engineered more or less, mm -hmm. to be produced for, the, for these factories. It's not all the varieties of tomatoes that may be suitable for processing uh, tomato paste or even tomato powder. So yeah. the ones that are quite high in solids, like the Roma, the Pectomic and all those, those are the ones that are used um, to, you know, with this dryer. But I must also say that this dryer is, is very convenient, uh, has convenient applications for different products as well. You can use it for pepper, some other fruits and vegetables, and even for, for some uh, fish and other, other, other products. But when it comes to tomato, I worked with the, 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 the varieties that were a bit high in solids, because okay. you need those total solids in order to, to, to get your ad value added products. Some are just too watery, and it will take a longer time you know, to get the desired products. How easy it, is it to make this solar dryer and how affordable is it? Is this something that we can easily deploy across the country to enable us um, prevent the post-harvest losses that we see all the time? So um, the, the things that went into designing this dryer, I mean, the one thing that I had at the back of my mind, let me put it that way, is convenience, accessibility, and affordability. Because we have different solar dryers. Currently, I'm working on different dryers, different designs. Um, I'm partnering with um, one uh, professor, um, Ilaliji from Purdue University, who has patent, has designed and patented other dryers that I'm working on as well, helping to um, apply those technologies here in, in our part of uh, you know the world. So in Africa or in Ghana, I'm I'm the lead on those projects. But this particular dryer that I designed is supposed to be a low-cost dryer. It's not, it's not a dryer that would be difficult to um, operate. Because, you know, I'm thinking of the on-farm, um, I'm looking at on-farm solutions. Okay. You want a system where you can place on your farm. So, for instance, you've harvested tomato. You know, sometimes these farmers leave the products to rot on the farm. Yeah. It's cheaper for them to leave it to rot than yeah, to even harvest and not exactly get, you know, to hire hands to harvest these products, bring to the roadside and not get people to buy. Sometimes they just leave on the farm to rot. So my thing is, you know, if you have these set up on the farms, you can 
conveniently harvest your products and dry them. And it has to be easy for them to operate. I didn't want a, a dryer that is complex, you know, with a, a solar panel with electrical parts where if, if, the, if it malfunctioned or if you had issues, they would leave these dryers, you know, you know, because they cannot repair or they cannot figure out how to put it back in shape. So mm -hmm. it is a low cost dryer. It's a mixed mode dryer. It's a passive dryer. When I say passive, it does not need any forced con 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 conditions. So you can have an active dryer where, for instance, you're heating hot air and pumping into the dryer to dry the product. This mm -hmm. just has a collector where the natural heat um, air comes through the inlet and there's a collector which heats the air, natural sun, you know, using the natural dry, it's optimized to be able to trap the heat. And then it blows into the chamber where the food is placed. And then it, uh, the, when once it takes out the moisture from the food, there's an exhaust, it goes out through the exhaust. And you don't need a solar panel, you know, to help. I mean, you can have complex dryers. This is basically a very simple dryer that can be operated. The first prototype that I developed was made from local materials, wood, glass, stones, aluminum sheets, and all of that. It was a very small, portable one um, that could um, have had a capacity of about five kilograms because I wanted to see how best I could, you know, um, operate, you know, optimize the dryer. I don't want to be too technical, yeah. but that's a prototype that I uh, I developed, you know. And um, after getting good, the desired products that I want, I'm now upscaling the dryer. So I'm using the grant from OWSD, um, which we, I won, to now upscale this dryer into a more durable dryer where I'm using more metal components. It's now big enough to dry about 20 kilos at, uh, you know, at one, you know, one time. And, and then also it has um, all the parts are more, I have a Pespec, I'm using Pespec instead of glass mm -hmm. and I'm taking out all the wooden components. So it's more um, robust. So you've been working on all these. Now, let, let, me, let me ask you, when I talk to scientists like you and inventors like you, it's, it's usually a situation where the solution is there. The idea is there, prototype has been built. But beyond that, we do not see any mass production of these things. How do you think we can resource people like you to do more, to create more solutions that can be adopted countrywide to give us uh, more value? Thank you very much, Kojiro. That's an important question. Um, so we, we have what it takes as Ghanaians, as scientists, to provide solutions that are tailored towards our needs here in Ghana. We do not always need to import ideas or import technologies that may not even work out for us. It seems that we're good at that. You know, bringing down solutions, importing, importing solutions that we feel because we, we have not been able to look for them ourselves. We're just importing. Sometimes they're dumped on us and when, you know, we try to apply on the field or farmers try to adopt, it does not work. So it is very, very important. I mean, we've, we've done this in the past. We have done, you know, we have produced our own variants of different crops that are working for us. If you look at the tech bunch, by the way, tech bunch, for instance, was 
um, was, uh, uh, well, I say engineered or, or invented uh, in, uh, by uh, Binari, my institute, but a lot of people do not know about that. So we have all these scientists working on different local products that we feel we can, um, not just products, but then on local technologies that we can apply here in Ghana because our situation is very, very unique to us. And as much as we appreciate technologies that are, you know, giving down, to, you know, handed to us, it is important that we develop our own solutions. COVID is teaching us a lesson that it is important for us to look within ourselves. You understand, could you? To be able to harness what we have and kind of tailor solutions to address our needs. And so it is, it is very important for us to encourage scientists here in Ghana. Science, research, technology, innovation demands a lot of funding. That is one thing that I think we very, very, very much, you know, or very often lose sight of because we feel that it takes a long time to get a product or a solution we do not even want to invest into into, into uh, STI, you know, because we feel that, oh, um, especially with politicians, if they want quick results now, 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 they would rather invest in other things where they can see products, maybe roads or schools where people can appreciate that, okay, the government is doing well. If you want to invest in science and technology, it is not a nine-day wonder. Things do not happen overnight. It takes a bit of time. But it is important that you invest in those um, areas that are so um, so core to our development. I mean, when we have, the, have this COVID issue, we turn to Noguchi because whether we like it or not, these are the institutions who are mandated to do the research on our behalf. We can and we should invest in, in, in scientific institutions. And for my uh, research that I'm currently on. I, I mean, it had to take OWSD, for instance, to to give me this grant, even to 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 do the work that I'm doing. However, I've also um, uh, applied for funding from um, uh, COVID funding to help with the upscaling and and then with the training and technology transfer, which I'm waiting on, and I'm hopeful that I will get some grants from government in order to take this to the next level. So when I'm training farmers, when I'm transferring the technology to farmers and, and equipping them to be able to use the technology, government would have, you know, been the one to invest in, in this bit of it. But um, we're not getting a lot of um, funding to some extent, you know, because like I said, it's, 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 it's I mean, people, when, when you want to invest in science, you feel like maybe you don't get results as, as soon, as quickly as you want it. So for some years now, over 10 years, we have been struggling with funding, local funding, I mean, and it's important that we go back to the drawing board and see how we can help science, scientists to help scientific institutions you know, to, to, to carry out the mandates that they, they have been given to, you know, to do. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this question as well. Um, assuming, like, the work you do, you've, you've developed a prototype and, and um, private entities want to partner. Is there an opportunity for that in our space here in Ghana where a Kojakutu Bwating, who has a $1 million fund somewhere, 
could come up to you and say, look, I heard about you and this work that you've done, and I'd like to invest so that we take this to the market. How, how do we approach stuff like that? Of course. I mean, I, am a pub, I, I have been employed by government um, uh, to, to do the work that I do. Um, we do have intellectual property policies for scientific institutions that spell out how these things work. If you come out with an invention, how it is managed within your institution. So even for GAEC, we do have an intellectual uh, property policy, which I was part of, you know, putting together. Um, so there are some uh, rules and regulations about how this is carried out within institutions especially government institutions. However, the whole idea for me, you know, as a scientist being employed by government is to provide solutions, especially working with Binari, provide agriculture solutions that can help farmers and government. And, and that's very clear. And so our focus is, is not necessarily, um, you know, to just come out in an intervention and hang on to it, but then to put it out there. So even for this particular product, um, um, there's no patent on it, but then we're also looking um, uh, at partnerships where we can, if private sector is interested, you know, we can also partner with private sector and, you know, do mass production, but obviously have in mind that this is something to, to help local farmers, smallholder farmers, food processors, majority of whom are women, and you have people who um, you want to do this responsibly. So it's not really about making profit, you know, on this. So the private uh, person coming on board should identify with this vision of the of Ghana Atomic Energy of a public institution, as well as this vision that government has to empower uh, you know, the end users rather than just making the profit. So we really do embrace a private sector coming on board. In fact, even at my center, we have so many products that we have developed, pro-gary, all kinds of innovative products that we look at, you know, partnering with the private sector to put them out there. Unfortunately, you know, as scientists, you, we may not make too much noise, you know, you understand. We are not typically marketing people. So sometimes it comes across that we develop technologies or products and really do not put them out there or do not engage um, private sector to take it on. Yes, we, we may not to make too much noise, but then we do engage private sector. We go to factories, we go to different um, institutions and companies and sell these products to them, sell these ideas to them. But like I'm saying, sometimes the pri private people want a quick buck, you know, so it's more about how much will I make from this? How much, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying, Kojo? Yeah. But yeah. then the main idea or the driving factor is also about empowering the people that we have been employed to empower. Now, let's spend the last two minutes of our conversation to talk about some of the other things that. Uh, it's being done uh, by you and at your center and at, at, at Binari. Um, so far, we've spent a lot of time talking about the um, solar dryer for fruits and vegetables and even for fish. What other things are you doing? Because I remember that the COVID period, you were talking about gamma irradiation for sanitizing um, equipment, PP and all that. Uh, how far with that? Yeah, so Kojo, um, the RTC, which I manage, houses a gamma irradiation facility, um, which ha has a cobalt source, which is a nuclear source. And we basically use this for food applications as well as medical um, 
sterilization of medical supplies. So we um, use this to treat medical supplies. We have uh, intravenous fluids, we have other medical, one-time use medical supplies and uh, materials, you know, that hospitals and other pharmaceutical companies bring to this facility and we're able to treat them, sanitize them. We use doses that are high to sterilize these products. So even in, in, in the wake of uh, COVID um, and um, some of the, the, the materials that we're using, we can, this facility has the potential to sanitize and sterilize these uh, materials for use, you know. So um, this facility is not just for food uh, application, but then it's also for um, sterilizing um, medical supplies. And we've worked with uh, so many hospitals and institutions, Kolebu, um, you know, all of, across the country. There are so many of these uh, facilities that come to us to, to use the, 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 the facility. And it comes at a very, the cost uh, of, of using the, the, the facility is not that high. It does not really make a huge impact on the sale, I mean, on the price. Mm -hmm. on the unit price of the materials. I mean, if you have to sell, if you use a facility, it will not increase, exponentially increase the cost of, you know, um, the, the, or the, the price of, 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 of your um, goods or materials. Great, great, great. Dr. Mavis Rekwasari has been my guest this morning on the City Business Festival, sharing um, some of the work she's done so far some of the opportunities available to use science and technology and research uh, to create solutions to drive growth and how we should support science, technology, research and innovation in the country. Doc, it's been great talking to you this morning. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your work with us. And we hope that together we can push for the right investments into science, technology, research and innovation so that people like you can continue to create more value for the country. Doc, it's been great having you on the City Business Festival. Keep listening to 97.3. And remember that the City Business Festival is sponsored by Absa Bank Ghana Limited with support from GIPC.